Two eagles united in our diversity. Would you like to stand with me? Ephesians has a couple of prayers that we're going to pray as a community as we travel through it. We've, we've come across one, so I'm going to keep praying that until we come to the next. So if you will listen and receive. O oh God of the Master Jesus Christ, God of glory, give to our community wise and revelatory thoughts, enlightening our understanding so that we experience the hope from your invitation to enter the kingdom of God, the abundance of your glorious salvation inheritance in us, the extraordinary greatness of your power for us who believe according to the intense working of your strength. And please keep standing as we read together Ephesians 2, 11 through 15. A fresh start for everybody. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. The good work He has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises to Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, because of Christ... Dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had been, become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Please have a seat. As we discovered last week, God is busy uh, creating, making, and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. I reminded you last week about what is His work, and the focal point of His work for me to remind us is found in Isaiah 42. Take a good look at my servant. I'm backing him to the hilt. He's the one that I chose. I couldn't be more pleased with him. I bathed him with my spirit, my life. That's Jesus. Jesus will set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and the insignificant. But he'll steadily and firmly Set things right. He won't tire out. He won't quit. 
He won't be stopped until he's finished his work. What is his work? To set things right on earth. The work of Jesus, he'll set everything right among the nations. He'll steadily and firmly set things right. He will set things right on the earth. And he's invited us to join him in that work. That work includes setting everything right among the insider and the outsider nations. He'll steadily and firmly set things right between insiders and outsiders. To set things right on earth by creating a new kind of human being, which is a fresh start for everyone. And we get to join him in that, setting everything right among the insider and the outsider nations. Steadily and firmly setting things right between insiders and outsiders. Setting things right on earth by living as a new kind of human being, encouraging a fresh start for everyone. Most of us don't take it for granted that we were once outsiders and now we're insiders. But this passage reminds us, don't take it for granted. Remember where you've come from. I had an opportunity yesterday. Uh, I was following Ron and Nate fighting the wind uh, from, from Austin to New Braunfels on our bicycles. And uh, they left me. I mean, this is the same story. Every time I get on a bike... They leave me. Ron has, just when he gets closer to the end, for whatever reason, he doesn't stay with me. He leaves me. And so I had a nice conversation with a lady about Young Life because we had our Young Life jerseys on. And uh, she just was saying, you know, I did, you know, are you involved? I said, well, I'm not involved in Young Life in the sense that I, you know, I don't work for Young Life, but I, I, I owe a huge debt to Young Life. And she said, oh, I didn't know a young life had been around that long. (laughs) I said, yes, it has. (laughs) But I remember that I was an outsider. And everything that's described here, when when I was 17 years old, which isn't that long ago, I I had no idea about salvation. I had no idea about new creation. I I wasn't thinking about somebody needed to save me from my sin. I was thinking about how can I sin? What, What can I get illegitimately out of this life? And how can I create my own world? I I mean, I I didn't. I, I had no idea that there was a Savior. I had no idea that that salvation was connected to a, a new creation, that I could be somebody totally different than what my father and my grandfather had been. I had no idea of that. I didn't know how God works. I really had not thought much about God at all. I have memories really early of being dropped off at Sunday school, and I remember this really crowded lobby and trying to figure out where I was supposed to go, and I, was, I can remember being with Kathy, my sister, but that's about it. I can remember my mom deciding that she wanted to teach Sunday school again and, 
And I was supposed to go, and I didn't. My friend and I checked out and just went down to what would have been the equivalent of Sonic and got a drink and then came back and said, yeah, it was really good, Mom. I, I saw a film, a really scary film. My, my uh, uh, football coach, Kids Inc. football coach, took me to a Billy Graham film, and it was really scary about the end of the world and everything was blowing up. And I remember talking you know, to somebody out of fear, you know, uh, but I didn't know how God worked. My, my parents, for whatever reason, they weren't walking with God. And they didn't tell me how God works. My neighbors didn't tell me how God works. Fortunately, Young Life told me how God works. I didn't have the faintest idea about Jesus. As crazy as it may seem, it may not be your experience, but I didn't know who Jesus was when I was 17. I, no one had ever told me the story of Jesus. If Susan was, was sharing with you, she was in the church. I was out of the church, but even in her life in the church, nobody ever told her about Jesus. Everybody just assumed everybody knows about Jesus. My friends, not everybody knows about Jesus. They don't know that God became a man and dwelt among us. They know about the church side of things, and they don't really want anything to do with that. And I don't really blame them. Because the, the history of the church and the story of the church is not the same as the story of Jesus, tragically. And today, the point of this will make it even more clear. So let's get back to remembering, hey, you know, there was a time I didn't have the faintest idea about who Jesus was. And somebody told me the story. And they were patient with me. They didn't just cram it all, you know, here's this track, devour it, and the next five minutes makes a decision about Jesus. You know, most of the time that's not going to happen. Occasionally, by God's grace and mercy, that does happen. But most of the time, when you give somebody a track in the culture we live in, they've already seen that track. Most of the waitresses that people give the false $20 bills to have already been burned by those that want to share a track with them but won't give them the gratuity that they deserve. I get back to talking about Jesus. Because there was a time in our life we didn't have the faintest idea about who Jesus was. We knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. When I was, in, when I was 17, and if you would have asked me what a covenant is, I would have said, what are you talking about? You would have asked me about Israel when I was 17, what? I mean, what? Where? Who? Huh? Old Testament? What? New Testament? I love the story. If, if, if Sometime we should watch this, but it's the story of John Wimber, who was the founder of the vineyard. And he met Jesus when he was a rock musician in Las Vegas. And, and he had an encounter with Jesus. And so he, he, he went to a bartender and said, you know, I've heard that God has a book. And the bartender, oh, yeah, God has a book. So well, do you know where you get that book? So, well, I think they have it across the street at the drugstore. Okay, well, what, what am I supposed to look at? Well, it's a black book, and it has, it has these gold letters. It says, Holy Bible. 
on the front. I said, okay. So he went across the, to the drugstore. I said, y'all, y'all, I heard you have God's book, the Bible. He said, well, we have the New Testament. The what? The New Testament. What's that? Well, that's half the Bible. Well, why would I want half the Bible? And then they pulled it out, and it was green. Well, it's not black. <laughs> where, I mean, where do you get a real Bible? Well, I, that's the, you know, the Bible bookstore. So, you know, it's down on the... I said, okay. so, so I drove to... She said, do you know, they're, they're not open at 7.30 when sinners really are looking for a Bible. My friends, we assume so much. Do we not remember where we've come from? Let's not take it for granted. We didn't have a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. When I was outside the faith, I wasn't thinking about God. I was thinking about how I could be a better athlete. I was thinking about Boy Scouts every once in a while. I was sure thinking about girls when I was 17. I was thinking about that my life at home was not very happy, but I really didn't want to talk about that because I just kind of wanted to live in a Pollyanna world. But I sure wasn't thinking about what God was doing. So I know in my story, I don't take for granted that I was an outsider. And as an outsider, I was going the opposite way of the the insiders. I mean, there was just, I mean, we're not crossing paths. And if somebody from Young Life, hadn't come into my world, I was not going to go into that world. We are going opposite directions. Outsiders. And as an outsider, I was separated from insiders. There was a wall. And sadly, outsiders don't create the walls that keep them separate from insiders. Tragically, insiders create walls that keep others at a distance. The laws that we come up with, the law code that was clogged, as Paul describes it here, clogged with fine print and footnotes, created a wall between the outsider and the insider. And added to that centuries of animosity and suspicion. Obviously, when Paul is writing this, he's talking about the wall that separated the Jew and the Gentile. The law that separated the nation of Israel, better, the kingdom of Israel, from all the nations on the planet. The insider Jew the outsider Gentile. And there was a wall that kept them separate. There was a law code that was clogged with this fine print and these footnotes that made the distance grow more and more and more. And then century upon century of animosity and suspicion. Well, what did God do about that? How did God set that right. Because of Jesus, 
Because Jesus died that death? Because Jesus shed that blood? We who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The cross of Jesus Christ demolished the wall of separation. What God did through Jesus on the cross ended centuries of animosity, and suspicion. So that it looks this way. When the insider and the outsider come to the cross, it filters out into what this passage calls new humanity offering a fresh start for everyone. So when the insider Jews who were the first disciples following Jesus. Every one of them was a Jew. Joined up with the Samaritans and the Gentiles, and they all came to the cross. What was produced was a, a new humanity. And what, was, and what has been, what will be, I guess, until Jesus returns, maybe the largest division between human beings on the planet was broken by the cross. And God created. Remember, He's busy creating. He's busy saving. He created a new humanity on the planet right now, today, that offers a fresh start for everyone. Now, you can take this insider Jew and this outsider Gentile coming to the cross, filtered into a new humanity, and you can begin to plug that in all over the planet. What I thought of first was our time in Rwanda. The time of the genocide in 94, the Hutus were the insiders and the Tutsis were the outsiders. Before 1959, it was the reverse. The Tutsis were the insiders and the Hutus were the outsiders. But when you go there today, what's happened in light of the travesty and the tragedy of a, of a genocide, is the Hutus and the Tutsis have come to the cross. And life for them has now been filtered through the cross. So there is now a new humanity offering a fresh start for everybody. And it doesn't matter if you're a Hutu. It doesn't matter if you're a Tutsi. It doesn't matter if you're white or you're black. Through the cross, there's a new humanity a fresh start for everyone. That's the power of the cross. So Rwanda today, what I saw was this. There's something new here. There's something of God's creation here. There's something here in this nation that only the cross of Jesus Christ could produce. And as I witnessed that, and I, and I was around that new humanity... I thought of those that I, I care deeply about, the Israelis and the Palestinians. You see, until that Israeli and that Palestinian come to the cross and life is filtered through that cross, 
the wounds that the Jews suffered healed so that the Jew can say, I won't ever forget, and we should never forget. When humanity treats humanity as Germany treated the Jew, we should never forget that, ever. We should never forget how the Hutus treated the Tutsis. We should never forget any genocide that's happened on this planet. We should never forget that. But we have to forget. Because if we don't come to the cross and find at the cross comfort that we need, healing that we need for our loss, there's nothing that's going to replace a family that's lost in genocide. But there can be the comfort of Jesus. You bore my sorrows on the cross. You can heal my grief. You know what it feels like to lose what I lost. So my friend, the Jew today that that lost a lot can find healing in their heart through the cross. There's no other place to go. And then once you find that healing at the cross, then you can forgive. God demonstrated his love towards us while we were his enemies. God loved us as enemies, died for us, and forgave us. Because he's giving us a a pattern. When When an Israeli and a Palestinian come to the cross, experience the healing of the cross, experience the forgiveness that comes from God to man, can forgive each other, it's filtered out, and there's a new humanity that offers a fresh start for everyone. My friends, the hope for the Middle East is only found in the cross. There's a lot of discussion about the Jew slash the Christian and the Muslim. I had a conversation last night with a father whose daughter, as crazy as it seems, was in, in Tunisia at the time of the Arab Spring in Tunisia. And then she went to Egypt at the time of the Arab Spring in Egypt. And then she ended up in Syria, of all places, as the Arab Spring became. I mean, you're going, wow. That's a lot of hot spots to be in this world. And I know as we listen to the news and as we read some, we think, man, there's never going to be peace between these three religions. Well, there is at the cross. When the Christian and the Jew and the Muslim, the insider and the outsider come to the cross and life is filtered through the cross, then there is a new humanity that offers a fresh start for everyone. It's not just global events, my friends. It's our own history. We have our own history of insiders and outsiders. As, as, we, as Susan and I sat in the classroom in Rwanda and listened on the last day and learned so much in a morning about reconciliation and the cross, the man that was presenting, he basically was saying, what do you, America, I mean, why are you here? What do you have to offer us about reconciliation? I mean, you have your own problems. 
and what he was saying was really true. Because we've had a situation of white insider and black outsider. But is there really a new humanity in the United States that offers a fresh start for everyone? See, in his opinion, as he looked at our culture, he said, you all have settled not for reconciliation. You've never gone to reconciliation. Black and white have never been reconciled in the United States. You've settled on peaceful coexistence. And my friends, i got to say, from my perspective, he's right. Life for us as a culture has never been filtered to the cross with a new humanity where black and white are equal, where a black person can walk around and not feel, feel the dividing wall of hostility. Jesse Blanco and I had a conversation one time because there is an insider English speaker and an outsider Spanish speaker. He said, you know, Scott, you might learn a little Spanish and you might like going to Chile You might like eating Mexican food, but you've never felt what I feel as a Spanish speaker walking into a room. The wall of prejudice is still with us. We're going to come across in Ephesians, there there is an equality between all men and all women. Insider male, outsider female, when you come to the cross, there's a new humanity offering a fresh start for everyone. Are we coming to the cross? And I'm not talking about them out there. I'm not talking about Rwanda. I'm not talking about Israel, Palestinian territories. I'm talking to us now. The people sitting in this room. The people that we know each other. Are we coming to the cross? Are we providing for our community, a new humanity that says to everybody, in Jesus Christ there is a fresh start. doesn't matter what your past is. Come to the cross. Let's go to the cross together. Let's find healing at the cross together. Let's find forgiveness together at the cross. My friend in Rwanda reminded me of one of my least favorite quotations about life in America. 11 o'clock Sunday morning remains the most segregated hour in American life. Somebody very well-intentioned wrote on the little cards that Ron handed out, you know, would you like? I'd like to see more interaction with the Hispanic churches in New Braunfels. My friends, there doesn't need to be a Hispanic church in New Braunfels. There needs to be the church of Jesus Christ. We better work it out 
Maybe those of us that are English speaking need to learn a little Spanish. It's bueno. It's good to do that. There needs to be a church in New Braunfels that represents every ethnic group here because we've all come to the cross. We've all experienced healing. We've all experienced forgiveness. And we're saying to our community, there is a new humanity on the earth. There's no more insider. There's no more outsider. We've all found equal ground at the cross. And we want to provide a fresh start to everyone until the church of Jesus Christ in America gives that message to the world. Our nation and every other nation on the planet will experience hostility. My friend, we are the consummate peacemakers on the planet because of what God has done for us. Will we respond? Will we allow him to take our insider or our outsider mentality and filter it through the cross and we become a new people? That's transformation. So let me come back to suggestions. What, what, I would just, what, what can we do? Well, I want to repeat two of them that I said last week because I think it sticks with us. Let's keep letting Jesus save us and create us anew without trying to help. And I've noticed that Tom and Kimberly are not looking at each other this week. (laughs) Just let him do it. Keep posting these questions on our bath mirror. Father, where are you working today? I want to join your work. Who can I include in friendship and family today? Now we've broadened it out. What outsiders are there in our world that we want to befriend? We want to bring an outsider into our family. And here's the biggest question on the list. What are our walls? What are our codes, our rules? What is our animosity? What is our suspicion? that keeps others at a distance. We all have it. We've all been brought up with our own set of prejudice. It's there. Will we as a community be bold enough to say, Jesus, you have demolished every wall of hostility. And Jesus, we want you to expose what those are in our lives. We want to be different. We want to be different individually. We want to be different corporately. We want to reflect a new humanity to our community that provides a fresh start for everybody. So show us where our walls are. Show us what our codes are, our rules our animosity, our suspicion that keeps other people as outsiders. We're the insider. They're the outsider. Show us what those are. Would we be bold enough to ask him for that? Well, whether you are or not, let's stand together and pray it.
Jesus, my hope is that as we have witnessed the power of the cross to demolish the wall of hostility, I just just pray that every one of us are walking away today going, wow, did Jesus ever do something really big for us? And Jesus, what I could ask for us as a community is, Jesus, I want you to expose the walls of hostility that remain within us. I want you to expose the rules, the law codes that we have that keep other people at a distance. I would ask you to make known our animosity, our suspicion of of others that keeps other people at a distance. Lord, I ask you to to allow us as a community to come to the cross, to receive healing for our wounds, to, to extend forgiveness to others from ourselves being forgiven. Jesus, I do believe that our prejudice, our animosity, our suspicion is below the surface of our lives. It's deep within our hearts. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come, to come to those places that we may not even know exist in ourselves. Come and expose our prejudice. Come and expose the walls that exist between us and somebody else. And I invite you, based upon your word, to begin to destroy that wall. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us as a community of people to join you in removing every wall of hostility. And I pray, Lord, that you would send us out empowered to invite others into friendship, into family, to be inclusive, to be everything that you want us to be because of your work on the cross. Lord, our world needs a fresh start. And that fresh start is found through the cross. May we be that new humanity. May we live at what you would expect us to be. We thank you for your work for us. We just marvel at what you've done. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so busy in saving and creating. We bless you. We bless you. As we're saying goodbye, I would invite anyone. I mean, that, that's to, for me, that's a big prayer, to invite Jesus to look within us and expose our prejudice. So if you would like some help with that, if you feel stuck in that, if you want to argue about that, that's fine. We can do that over in this corner. And uh, we, can just, we can continue ministry if you would like that today. Uh, if not, that's fine. Please enjoy saying goodbye to one another and then take, Take the good news. There's some great news to share with your neighbors. Go go share it with folks today.
Thanks for our time together. Amen.